0: This is our popular listener Q&A edition. Listeners ask questions, Janet and Jen answer. As Mother's Day is coming around, I find I'm missing my mom more and more. And there's always questions and stories I wish I had asked her when she was still here. I do remember that I gave her a book once upon a time with questions for her to write the answers to. And bless her heart. She didn't answer very many, so that was really a disappointment. But fast forward to now and technology, and now we have mylifeinabook.com. It takes all those questions and stories and it puts it in a format that is sent to your person, whoever you designate, on a regular basis so that the prompts come, They're easily answered, either written or voice to text, and they're captured by mylifeinabook.com. These family stories, this legacy that you want to leave for your children and your grandchildren. mylifeinabook.com, create an unforgettable gift for your mom, your dad, your children this Mother's Day. Use our coupon code on boys for 10% off. Go to mylifeinabook.com and use onboys for 10% off. Create that legacy. Carry on those stories. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We're your co-host Jennifer LW Fink of Buildingboys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of boysalive.com, and this is the Boys Parenting Podcast. As always, we appreciate you supporting our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by my very own Decoding Your Boy. Less yelling, more connecting. That's what we want. We meet twice each month live. Our learning and coaching centers around a boy-friendly theme, the ones you wonder and worry about. How to foster his independence. What about screen time? How to keep him safe online? And more. Go to boysalive.com decode and you'll find all the details there. I would love to have you join our global community of parents for these lively sessions twice each month live with me, decoding your boy, boysalive.com decode. And now on boys. Well, this is one of our favorite shows to do. This is our listener Q&A. This is when we ask you, what questions are on your mind? And oh, we do love the questions, don't we, Jen? We do love the questions. And I love just getting
1: to brainstorm with you, talk through, share our experiences, and really help
0: our listeners bring this down to their lives. Absolutely. And know that this is off the cuff because here's the questions. And we have not pre-prepared the answers. So this is this is Jen and I just riffing. You so, know what though? You are not giving us enough credit
1: off the cuff with 20 plus years experience on both sides. So
0: we're not making this stuff up. That's true. That's true. I will concur with you, my friend. Absolutely. So here's our first question. You ready? Mhm. Mm-hmm. Tamara asks, why do boys communicate through physical touch, aggression, and use sarcasm for communication rather than regular conversation? I'm going to guess you are well versed in all of these things from personal experience, Jen. Personal experience and
1: research, and I really want to um commend her first for this observation because a lot of people don't realize that that's what's happening right right we see our boys from little on through the teen years into adulthood communicating through physical touch and aggression but we don't often recognize that it's communication we're like why must they be so rough and we say things like stop it and knock that off and so often we hear their communication through sarcasm but don't think of it as communication we think of it as disrespect when we come at it through that lens we set ourselves and our boys up for all kinds of misunderstandings so just this simple supposedly simple observation that it is communication
0: is huge
1: do you see this as a a place of misunderstanding
0: for many of your families janet Oh my gosh, for my families and for educators, this is huge in the classroom. And it's so important that we, you know, parents and teachers recognize that physical place that boys live. And, you know, I got to just plug in here, being a grandma, eight Mm -hmm. months old, and he can't talk yet. So there's no sarcasm. There's, you know, (laughs) communication. His communication is his body. And when he's happy, his hands are going up and down and mostly he's just happy. But when he's crying, oh. it's you can see it in his body. If you couldn't hear it, you could see it. So somewhere along the line, we forget that especially our boys, our girls too, but especially our boys, they don't always have the words, but their bodies are going to tell you what's going on. Are their shoulders hunched? Are they standing up straight and proud? Watching their nonverbals is huge. And then there's, you know, brothers pounding on brothers as you wins. So that's actually helping them bond and connect. I love that you mentioned, you know, obviously infant girls do
1: this too, right? They can't speak either, and they're speaking to us through their bodies. And so part of the answer to this question is socialization, gender expectations, and society. So why do boys communicate through physical touch and aggression? The unspoken part of that is in some ways more so than verbal communication. Mm -hmm. Because, because we tell our boys every day in every way through all kinds of spoken and unspoken that it is more okay for them to be physically aggressive with each other to communicate physically than to verbally say things like, Hey man, you mean a lot to me. Yeah. That's not okay in so many corners of our culture yet. So partly why boys continue to communicate through physical touch and aggression, quote unquote, air quotes, aggressive behavior is more acceptable in our culture than physically intimate, non-aggressive behavior. People are more comfortable seeing boys get their need for touch met through wrestling than through hugging. That might sound weird to some of our listeners. Some of our listeners are like, well, I would much rather see my four-year-old hug his friends or I would much rather my 10-year-old hug his friends than beat up his brother. It doesn't work that way mm-hmm. in our culture. And there have been studies that have looked at... um, parents and well-meaning adults even those of us who don't think we're doing this we tend to touch cuddle kiss and hug girls
0: more than boys yeah especially boys in the tween teen years when you know they might not always make it easy to have that type of touch but you still gotta And it might just be, you know, it might just be like a bump elbow or a quick hug from the back or something, but to keep that, to keep that physical touch going. As you were talking, I was thinking about athletes and Mm -hmm. it's okay on the field. To number one, have I'm thinking football because it's football season. So it's okay to go out there and be aggressive. And I mean, they're getting their needs met for touch because there you go, be aggressive, do the thing. But then what do they do when they have a touchdown? They hug. It's like a place where it's acceptable to hug, but to. And they dance. Dance is acceptable in football if you
1: have scored a touchdown. But there are so many other corners where we still make fun of boys who dance. Doesn't make yes. sense. But this okay. is this is what our boys are living in right now. And this is what they're trying to navigate.
0: Yeah. So talk to me about sarcasm, Jen. Sarcasm is the same thing. You know,
1: uh, it's not yet socially acceptable for boys to like have these deep, intimate, well-versed uh, Conversations with one another. You are not going to hear, I am sorry, moms. You are not going to hear your uh, tween or teen son say, Oh, mom, I am so grateful for everything you do. Maybe you'll hear that sometimes. I shouldn't say never. More often than not, you're not going to hear that. You're not going to hear, I see how hard you are working for this family. And I so appreciate your support. And you are my rock and my shell. You're not going to hear that. (laughs) You might hear. Hey, or what's up, mom, or mine will make fun of me for something. OK, but I recognize that that's sarcasm. I recognize that this is the language that they use amongst themselves. And I have to tell you, while working on my book, I've ran across some intriguing research. I think it was out of Italy. But these researchers recognized the role of sarcasm and insults in Forming and maintaining a male culture, hierarchy, and bonds. And so, for instance, as annoying as it is when you hear your boys trading barbs at each other and slinging insults, and you're like, you guys are brothers, you should be on the same side. In male culture, it is actually a highly respected skill. Like, if you can use the sarcasm to kind of one-up somebody... You can get standing without having to be physical, without having to prove your physical strength. So if you've got little brother who's figuring out how to use his words to best his older brothers, it can sound super annoying and it can be a super useful skill in their society, in their culture. Now, I am not at all trying to say or imply that you or any of us need to live in a world where we accept males who just punch and tackle each other as communication and solely communicate through sarcasm. Sure. I'm not saying that. No. I'm saying that we can accept and recognize what's going on and work to teach and model and show other ways of communication. I was sitting in the kitchen night before last. It was me in the middle at the island, 16-year-old over here, 19-year-old over here the conversation went about how you can expect it went. they were being silly. They were being sarcastic. They like pushing buttons, seeing what mom's going to react to or not. Right. Mm -hmm. My 16 year old said something and used a term that uh, is unacceptable in my eyes. I'm not going to repeat it here, just unacceptable. And at first I didn't react because I was responding to the rest of his thought. And then I like, wait, he said that I'm like, no, that is not okay. Mm -hmm. And both his 19 year old brothers like, yeah, I was wondering if you were going to say something about that. (laughs) And the 16 year old, too, they knew that I always say something. For instance, when boys use the term um, gay in a demeaning manner or when they use racist language or sexist language, they might think they're being funny, sarcastic and edgy. And maybe they are. But it is also not okay, And I call them out on that
0: every single time. Good for you. And they need to be called out on that because that is not okay. But at I, the same time, I don't I don't do it in such a way
1: that I'm trying to imply that you are a terrible person for doing this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Just recognize, you know, in the larger culture, this is not going to go over well. So you need to be nope. aware. Be aware. I want to kind of dial it back to we're talking tweens and teens. I want to dial it back to little mm-hmm. kids and physical touch and yes. you know when so we have this biological imperative boys need physicality they need to move their bodies when their bodies are moving their brains are in motion and so we have to change many of our educate educators views on boys and movement and physicality there's so many schools that i've been in that are you know don't don't touch don't knock into that person. They get in trouble for knocking into their friend. Well, there, that's that's a friendship thing. That's like you know, I'm going to bump into you. That's a that's a bid for connection. I have
1: such a distinct memory. My oldest son um, started school at a Catholic school. It was the one I went to when I was a kid. He was in first grade. And it was an all-school mass because you do that at Catholic school. And I went, I don't remember what the holiday or the occasion was. And I happened to be in the pew behind the first graders. He's in first grade at the time. Janet, it was like watching a bunch of puppies. You know how puppies all like tumble over each other and are constantly on each other? That's how they were. And I realized this is just how they interact. Like at that point, they haven't gotten to... This is well before social distancing, but, you know, they haven't gotten to I want my personal space. They wanted to connect with each other and be in contact.
0: Yeah. So we have to make that okay. We have to make that and we have to make uh, places for them to be able to do that acceptably at school, at home. So, you know, at recess, can they have a place where, you know, they they agree this is kind of the the uh, wrestling pit or the roughhousing pit and they can do that rough and tumble play? Do you remember when we talked with Teacher Tom? Teacher Tom specifically
1: talked about roughhousing and how it is an intimate act between boys when they are roughhousing. They are watching. They are looking into each other's eyes. He used the word love.
2: Mm -hmm. And
1: this can be a tool to help children, not just boys, the girls in his class, Russell, too, to learn how to read cues from each other. It's early lessons in consent. And empathy. And empathy. And you don't even have to use those words yet because it is about watching and responding Mm -hmm. and respecting I'm going to link that um, in our show notes, because that episode is so worth going back and listening to, because he talked also about how he works with the students and sets the stage and helps them develop guidelines, basically, Mm -hmm. for their interactions during that time. He doesn't say, okay, you can only this, you can only that, don't this. He solicits input from the children who together agree upon guidelines.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm also thinking of another episode that we did that you'll link to in the show notes. And that was Larry Cohen. Do you remember that? Yep. That I episode. do. And he too talked about the importance of roughhousing and, you know, roughhousing between boys, between each other, between kids, and especially dad roughhousing with son. And again, this place of consent, this place of being able to stop when it's time to stop. So you're learning, he's learning impulse control. He's learning to understand his body and know his body. And that's like, you know, the beginnings of consent again, and we don't have to use that word, but, but they're learning and they're learning how far they can go. How far is it comfortable? When does it get uncomfortable? When how does it feel if I hurt my brother? How does it feel if I get hurt? And that's building empathy, as we said. It strikes me as you were talking, I'm a very verbal person.
1: I know you're really surprised. I'm sure our listeners are too. mm -hmm. Talking and writing. That's what I do. That is my life. That is my preferred modes of communication. When we think of physical touch as a means of communication, instead of just this thing to stop, because we view it as aggression. If we think of it as communication, of course, there's, there's learning and teaching that has to go on because even in physical communication, there's learning to listen to others. Mm-hmm. There's learning to what is their body telling me? What is my body telling me? Mm-hmm. And the back very
0: powerful. If you taking turn, if you
1: think of it as communication, mm-hmm. there's a lot of richness going on there. You don't have to have these in-depth conversations with your boys, not when they're six, not when they're 16, but if you think of it that way for yourself, it can help you be a little more accepting and understanding to the dynamic that you may have missed if your brain just looks at it and codes it as violence
0: or aggression or unacceptable. Oh, That was a short question with a lot going on. So, Tamara, thank you so much for asking that. Katrina asks a question that is specific
1: to her son, but it will apply to so many, so many of our boys. So her son, she doesn't say his age, but I am guessing teenage. And she says he's currently really driven to do his best on his sport, which happens to be long jump and is working really hard. And he's determined to make progress. He's doing daily workouts. He's really trying to be his best so he can get a college scholarship. And she's concerned that he's missing out on the social aspects of high school life, that he is so focused on the physical and his goals. Like he didn't go to homecoming. He's not going to parties and things with his friends. And so she is afraid that he's distancing himself from his friends and will one day find himself without them. And so she's wondering
0: how to bring this up without seeming like an egg. This question so reminded me of my daughter's ninth grade, probably September of ninth grade. And she had come from a really small school and now she's in the high school and there was a party and I'm thinking, oh, you've got to go. You've got to go. You've got to go to this party. And I'm kind of pushing her to go to this party. And she absolutely did not want to go to this party. And I realized later that that was her boundary. She knew there was going to be drinking and drugs at this party. And that was her line. She did not want to go. And throughout high school, I mean, she she just wasn't the person that went to the dances or the parties. That wasn't her. That's not the way she chose to socialize. And so I, I would say a little bit like, you know, just look at, is he, is he happier in one-on-one situations are, and, and our boys are, you know, a little slower to develop socially socially and so he may not be there yet. So there is that. And I do want to say like the, the overarching for me, my opinion about high school Often we think, you know, this is the time of your life and everything is, you know, going to be set from here forward. And these friends you'll have forever. And you go off into your life and look back and go high school. That really wasn't that great. That wasn't really comfortable. That was an awkward time. I didn't have very many friends. So be careful not to put too much emphasis on these kinds of things. And Katrina, balanced with that, we do want him to have a balance with the workouts. We've had Una Hansen on thinking about body image and this drive for boys of got to have the six pack. So there's that in there, too, of, you know, is yes, go after your sport with determination. And is it a healthy balance? Mm -hmm. There's that in there, too. And I'm sure you have a lot to say, too, Jen. You know,
1: one of the things I hear in here is a big common parenting thing. We look at something that's going on with our sons and then we have a concern or a fear in our head, which is often, but not always. It's always based in concern for our son, but often there's also some of us in it, right? So we see a situation and we react based on fear. And we certainly we want to protect our sons. We want our sons to have the best possible experience and we don't want them to experience pain. So if I can prevent any pain, I want to do that. Sure. But our stories in our head aren't necessarily our sons' reality. So I would suggest instead of bringing up your story at all, just approach the situation with curiosity with your son. Hey, uh, how do you feel about, you know, missing out on these things? Or do you feel like you're missing out on these things? Hey, I noticed, you know, all your friends went to homecoming. Um, Did you feel like you were missing out? Or what was that like for you? If he feels like he is missing out, that's one thing. If he feels totally content with this, It could be a situation, like you said, with your daughter, it could be a kid who's just more of an introvert than an extrovert. And that's fine too. So you've got your concern, set it aside for a minute. And in a moment when it happens to be relevant or peaceful, just sort of mention your observation and ask your son how he feels about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about that? So, Katrina, great job of you know you're ob- observing him. You see what his drive is and his determination, which is to be applauded. That's awesome. And there may be a place where you say, you know, daily workouts we're gonna we're gonna go to every other day for a while. We're gonna just dial that back for a little while for your own balanced health, if that seems appropriate. So, I think there is a place where we can as Parents or coach step in. Mm-hmm. Oh, is this too much? Is he mm-hmm. doing it? Because you know our bodies have to rest and Definitely. build up that muscle. He may not realize that yet in his teen brain. So having some adult eyes on what he's actually doing in those with those yeah is important too. That's also a really good idea. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat, and whether
1: you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about Byheart Baby Formula. Byheart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk, and Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula Three month supply of Easy Melts Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try try dot dot com forward slash onboys. I want to dig into this next one. It's not really a question so much as a situation, but this is one where I I think our listeners will be brainstorming along with us. And I believe this came from um, one of your uh, Boys Alive parents. Mm -hmm. So a parent is saying, you know, her son has noticed all the girls wear girl power shirts. Why don't they have boy power shirts? And he said, saying everyone is powerful just kind of gives a double dose of power to the girls. I want a shirt too. And her question is sort of, you know, she gets it. The movement is totally important for girls. Don't begrudge it. You and I are both women. We get where it's coming from, but she says my son wants to feel powerful and be able to say it without being considered a pompous ass. Yeah. Yeah. Is there a way to do that? Are there boy power slogans or t-shirts or things celebrating our boys that they can realistically wear without you know seeming like they i mean let's be real like if you were to wear a white power t-shirt around that's not going very well and i don't recommend that don't do that don't do that is a boy
0: power shirt the equivalent oh you know this goes into so much of what we've talked about with richard V. reeves and I mean, so many people we've been talking about masculinity and how to advocate for our boys while also advocating for our girls. This is that place where I think Richard B. Reeves said it, of we can hold two thoughts, we can hold two ideas at the same time. Boys are powerful and girls are powerful. And, and I have wondered for so long, you've heard me say this on here before, of just what do boys feel like when they see girls wearing these, the future is female t-shirts? And now we hear it from a 10-year-old boy. It doesn't feel good. It just doesn't feel good. Actually, on my Facebook page, my um, we had a few brainstorms about what that could be And and part of it was, you know, what are the qualities? I am strong. A couple of ideas. Made by stars. Intergalactic. Empowered. Achiever. It could be qualities like that. Make your own t-shirts. But again, this speaks to the larger question of how much we are championing our girls. And we've forgotten that we also need to champion our boys. You know, this is super interesting. I've
1: been aware of this dynamic and I hadn't looked online for a long time. I hadn't really looked what's available. So as we were talking, I'm in front of my computer and I Googled boy and girl power shirts and I don't really recommend doing that because Oops. you can find a, one place will make you shirts that say boy power and it's got a picture of a man and a woman wearing it. And I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But in the context, right next to it is a shirt that says, boy, bye, with two hands crossed and the middle finger raised. Um, Girl power, girl power, boy, bye. I mean, the culture that we are in right now would make it really tough to wear a shirt that says boy power. I don't recommend that in all honesty. At home, maybe. I really like the idea of what your listener said, you know, shirts that celebrate that makes your son feel like an important and special person. This is an issue that we have to work on as a society thing. Uh, it's kind of discouraging to look at what's out there. It really is.
0: Yeah. And more deeply, you know, here's this boy who is looking at girls would she say i think he's 10 who's looking at girls with this distance or separation or why do they get that and we don't and you know we know as adults i was just preparing for a talk yesterday and um again this is richard V. reeves of how many states and federally we have commissions that support women and girls and in california i think there's something like 26 different commissions and counties that support women and girls and there is exactly zero for boys and men i just found a shirt that i really like and i
1: will put a link to this one in the show notes so the shirt it comes in many colors and it says this boy can oh yeah And it has a a little tiny flower under it. And I looked because also the name of the shop, by the way, is Girl Power to Cure. So I'm like, wait, what is this all about? This is specifically, um, it's an international nonprofit dedicated to helping girls suffering from Rett syndrome, which is a severe neurological disorder that mostly affects females. So really this shirt is uh, about showing support for that. And this is a worthy cause. I have no problem supporting this cause, but also this t-shirt, you know, seen totally out of context without that background. It's not saying boys are better than girls, but it very specifically says this boy can. And I think that's a pretty
0: empowering message. That's a super empowering message. And it makes me think of Sassy Harvey. Yes. Yes. Our beautiful Sassy in the UK, who is. A proponent, an advocate has started a worldwide movement of my boy can, my boy can dance, my boy can fill in the blank boys can't do anything so uh, she's been a staunch advocate and a good friend of On Boys. So we'll we'll link to her in the show notes too. And you know what, Sassy, if you have
1: merch, you need to let us know because I think that would be quite popular with some of our listeners.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So it's also a good place to get curious with your boys. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing? How are you feeling? And And we as moms, especially, We have to help provide some
1: context for these shirts for our boys. Our boys who were born in the 2000s don't know that not that long ago, women couldn't open a credit card in their own name. They Mm. don't know these things. Help them understand the history of where this came from so that they can perhaps be more empathetic and express your support and talk about that. Yes, boys need and deserve support as well.
0: Still lots of work to do in this area, that's for
1: sure. Yeah. We're not going to solve all the problems in one podcast
0: episode or, you know, five years of podcasting. We keep trying. A little bit at a time. Baby steps. All right. Where do you want to go next? Let's see. I'm going to ask you this one. Okay. Jesse
1: asks, will raising a strong-willed boy be too challenging for elder or sick parents to handle when he reaches teenage? We
0: always have fear and deep concern in our mind about the possible difficult future. Interesting question, Jesse. and I don't know your particular situation, and this is a place to, there's two things going on in my mind. First of all, don't borrow trouble too far into the future. We don't want to, women especially, we're so good about, Laying out that timeline into the future and all the worries and stress that go along with that. So, kind of try to dial it back into the present and recognize this is a place for your boy to shine Mm. because boys want to be helpful, boys want to serve, and we can find ways to allow them to do that in their very boy way. So, You know, giving him I I think this is this goes back to just fostering independence, fostering that competence and capability and allowing him from an early age to do things that are important to the home, to do things Mm. that, that serve the neighborhood, take the neighbor's garbage out, whatever those things are that he can do. And I'm going to just plug in here that he can probably do them way sooner than you think he can. And you can help him learn to do those things, but turning that over to them. So there is that place of fostering that from an early age. And, you know, we don't know when we're going to get sick. Uh, We talked with Jen Singer. I love how all these relate to past podcasts, Jen. We talked to Jen Singer not that long ago who had cancer when her boys were eight and 10. She didn't plan on that, but her boys stepped up. They stepped up when the need was there and when they were allowed to. And sure, they had lots of community support and all those things. But I believe that our boys will step up when they need to. I think
1: that community support part is so important, you know, especially It's important for all of us, but especially if you're looking at it and you have some concerns about your physical ability, your emotional ability, your, you know, your capability. Start now building these circles of support around your children. Um, I will link to Jen's episode because she specifically talks about building circles of support. None of us can raise a strong-willed boy alone. That is an impossibility. It It will break Any of us, no matter how young or healthy we are, you need these circles of support support for you as you're navigating this and other people to support your boy. So, this is where uh, other family members can be helpful Uh, coaches, teachers. You do need other people in his life. So, if you can start creating those communities now, being aware that they will shift and
0: change as his interests and needs change, work on that. I think this also speaks to, you touched on it a little bit, Um, it also speaks to the importance of generational friendships, of Mm. young children being with older children. I mean, when my dad was, you know, 90 in a wheelchair, I would take him to the grocery store and he would see a young child because guess what? He didn't see many young children in the assisted living home he was in. And he would see a young child and light up. And that little child would be so curious about, you know, he's in a wheelchair and he's all this old man. But there was curiosity there. And I think we've really missed the opportunity to have actually in the little town that I live in across the street. It's the it's the care facility. And right next door is a child care center. Love it. It's so good. And so, you know, they're crossing paths. So think, think kind of outside the box a little bit and look around your neighborhood. There may be, you know, somebody like me, my kids are grown and gone and I love kids and I'd be happy to, you know, hang out with your kid for an afternoon so make friendships like that across generations why do you
1: live on the opposite coast from me janet i would have been more than happy to give you some of my strong-willed boys on their worst days and my worst days
0: yeah i would have taken them you know what and that's the (laughs) that's the thing too strong-willed
1: boys and boys growing that is a challenge for anybody Mm -hmm. uh we all worry if we can handle that and there are days when i personally was absolutely sure i could not there were days where i was laid out across a friend's bed sobbing because i was sure i could not do this and i was failing at this yeah and i don't think i absolutely failed i think my guys are all right
0: i think your guys Um, are all right jen i think they're
1: all right and so the other part is being willing to be vulnerable and ask for help on those days. It's so hard because we culturally tend to assume that we're some kind of a failure. If there's a situation that I don't know how to handle in the moment and guess what? It happens to all of us. We all need to support others when we can, when we have the capacity and then be willing to be vulnerable so that others can support us when we are in those tough spots. Mm
0: And I always say, you know, we're always, I think women especially are just right there, willing to help, willing to give, willing to show up. And oh my goodness, when you ask for that help, think how happy you're making that other person. Because right. show up and be there. And and we love that. So by asking, you actually are making someone else happy because they get to show up for you. So listeners ask and ask before it gets awful ask on those mildly difficult days you don't have to wait until it gets awful and horribly difficult ask when it's like kind of difficult I just realized we came full circle
1: this is our listener Q&A this is ask Ask before it gets awful. And I appreciate all of our listeners who have done exactly that, who have shared your questions, because you know what? There are other people listening to this around the world right now who are going, oh, yeah, me too. You helped other people by asking that question. Ask before it gets awful. Surround yourself with circles of support. That's what we're doing. That's why we do this podcast. Janet, that is why you do your decoding boys group. Mm -hmm. it's why I have my Facebook group, why I do my newsletter. None of us can do this successfully
0: or well alone. That's for sure. And let's touch on that. Our listeners may have heard us talk about Building Boys Bulletin before, but tell us a little bit more about that because it's a fabulous resource. So Building Boys Bulletin
1: is a subscription newsletter through Substack. You may have heard of that or not. Doesn't really matter for you. But what it is, is I go through because of what I do. I am on top of the news and events and things going on in Boy World. Every week, I am reading dozens of articles. And in this newsletter, I pull together, highlight top information, things that are helping me understand my boys, things that are helping me understand their world and navigate life. I include links to those articles. I know that you don't have time to read all of those. So I even pull out all the highlights. If you just scan this, you're going to learn a lot in a couple minutes. It goes out on Monday morning. And I also have links to our latest On Boys podcast. So you'll never miss another one of these. And the first part is usually um, me musing about what is going on in boy world, applying these things I'm learning to my life, to your life, to the world at large. Building Boys Bulletin subscription newsletter shows up in your inbox. To sign up, just go to my website, buildingboys.net. You'll see a box there. Enter your email. If you want to get it every week, choose the paid option. If you choose the free option, you'll get it randomly. I'm aiming for once a month, but honestly, I don't always hit that.
0: Yeah. And I will say it is the first email that I open every Monday. Because I know, first of all, I'm going to know a little bit more about what's going on for you, Jen, <laughs> and then, and that, you know, that's just the, and you always manage to tie that into what's going on and, and these articles, these studies that you are right. I don't have time to read them, but I'm so glad there's the highlights right there. And it's, it's fabulous. I know how much work goes in. Thank today. you. It's huge. So listeners, subscribe, throw a little money Jen's way. It's, it's not very much, but it helps her to be able to take the time to do this work for you.
1: Tell us about Decoding Boys. I know this is um, your program and it's monthly and you talk with parents in real time,
0: but is this something, you know, you can join at any time? How does it work? Decoding Your Boys less yelling, more connecting cuz we need less of that and more connection with our boys. So, every month we take a theme. This month we're talking about how to foster his independence at any age. We've talked Ooh, about love it. we've talked about siblings. So, each month is based on a theme, but of course it all comes back to your boys and understanding your boys. We meet on the 1st and 15th live on Zoom. So you have a personal connection with me and a connection with parents around the world, and it's a monthly membership 25 bucks a month it's and you get access to the archives, it is a ton of valuable conversation and information. And I include lots of bonus materials. So go to boysalive.com slash decode and get signed up and join us. These calls are fun. Jen, you know, I love nothing more than interacting with parents and Zoom is about as live as we can get right now. So it's it's me in real time. And again, you get to ask your questions like you, like we've done on this episode of this
1: 25 month. bucks a month is way cheaper than one therapy session. Oh yeah. Ton. Way yeah. cheaper. And not only are you getting a place to uh, vent and be supported, you're getting expert input from you and from other parents. You're getting that support and ideas. I have learned so much from fellow parents.
0: Absolutely. Invaluable. Yeah. And it's that community that we're longing for. It's circles of support. Circles of support. So that's boysalive.com slash decode. Oh, Jen, this is so much fun. You know, listeners, you might not realize this, but Jen lives in Wisconsin. I live in Oregon. We've been doing this podcast for four and a half years now, right? Yeah. Four and a half years. We've been together once in, in person, one time. And I value our connection. You are in my circle of support. Let yeah. me tell you. And I'm happy to be in your circle of support too. And so I just so appreciate you and our listeners. Oh my gosh, you guys, we love you so much. Thank you for welcoming us into your lives, for being vulnerable
1: with us and each other, and for sharing your concerns, your fears, and your wisdom.
0: In addition to the Building Boys Bulletin and Janet's Decoding Your Boy program, we encourage you, if you're a Facebook user, to join the Boys Alive Facebook group and Jen's Building Voice Facebook group. This is a place where you can ask questions. There are amazingly wise parents there, ready to answer, ready to share their own experience. Include these groups in your circles of support. We're here for you. Thanks for being our On Voice listeners. We appreciate you, and we hope this episode has been especially valuable